So whenever I, I go to a, a department store, maybe this is an experience that you've had, a department store like Nordstrom's, um, I'm rarely able to take the most direct route through the store, say, to like the men's department or the shoe department or the cafe or wherever it is that I, I might be going because there's a good chance that in between me and any of those departments is the perfume counters, right? Does anybody have this experience? So instead of taking the shortest path through the perfume cloud, I will like go up a floor and across and then down to, to the other, other side. Or, or if needed, I will go out of the building and around to another entrance on the other side of the building. Has anyone ever done that? Just me. <laughs> so it's not an experience that you've had. So you can understand, for me at least, why I find the French term for cologne or for cheaper perfume to be on point, eau de toilette, literally means toilet water. And this makes me feel even smarter about my department store detours because who wants to walk through a cloud of toilet water, right? So maybe the next time you go to the department store, you'll do the same thing <laughs> that I do. Well, in John chapter 12, Mary causes a scene by breaking open a jar of perfume. And if I could place myself in the story, I would certainly be the one saying, what the heck, Mary? Didn't you see the sign that this is a fragrance-free zone? Like, that really stinks. An entire jar of perfume? Unfortunately for me, Jesus and I are not on the same page when it comes to this. So, let's listen uh, to our story today in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint, a pint of expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's a good question. It's worth a year's wage. He did not say this, however, because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus replied, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's not great that I see myself responding like Judas. Like nobody reads the Bible and says, I wish I were more like Judas. You know, the guy who would forever be remembered as the one who betrayed Jesus. But a pint of perfume? I mean, that's really stinky. And, and, and what about just using it the way that it's supposed to be used? Like a little bit at a time, over months and, and even years. If you really want to honor Jesus, just, just a few drops will do, right? Mary is being fiscally irresponsible. Because this is how our economy works, right? This is how economics works. By, by having something of value, 
to exchange for something that we need or want. So when I'm hungry, I give money to a restaurant and the restaurant gives me pizza. And so when Mary breaks open or pours this entire jar of perfume out, she's limiting her ability to participate in the economy because she no longer has something of value to exchange. Judas sees this in the other Gospels. All of the disciples see that this is a problem. But she's also being socially irresponsible. I mean, she's being awkward in public, and, and you're not supposed to behave that way because it makes everybody else feel awkward. She's being socially irresponsible. She's being religiously irresponsible because she's not caring for the poor. She's being irresponsible because we often imagine this is how our world works and this is how our world is supposed to work. This is how our relationships work or our sense of identity work. And in the same way, we, we need something of value to exchange for the things that we want or need. So, if I want you to like me, I might try to figure out what are the things of value that I can do in exchange for your good opinion. Maybe that's being nice to you, or maybe it's being a hard worker, or being successful, or maybe it's me demonstrating that I'm fiscally responsible or financially responsible. Maybe it's that I don't wear too much cologne, or, or whatever it might be. There's, I'm trying to find out what I can give to you in exchange for the thing that I want you to give me. Then you'll like me if I can figure that out. Or maybe I'll feel like I'm a good person if I believe the right things, or if I do the right things, or if I achieve enough in life, or if I have certain things, then, then I'll be able to gain what it is that I want and that what I need. So growing up, each of us have experiences and there are messages that we sort of gather from, from our families and from our friends and from our community and from like the wider culture. Um, that teach us about our own unique economic system when it comes to sort of how our lives work and how the world works. There is something very personal about each of these stories for us, so it's not all going to be the same. In order to get the love, the success, the safety, or the, the acceptance that we want, we often have a sense of what we need to do, how we need to behave or act, or how we need to appear to be in order to get what we want, right? And so we have this message that says, in order to get what you want, you need to be what? Smart or strong or helpful or maybe even invisible, perfect, optimistic, happy, the life of the party. Maybe you need to be unique and not like everybody else. Then, then you'll get what you want. But Jesus reminds Judas, and Jesus reminds all of us, that people are not a commodity. That love and acceptance and, and God's desire to bring freedom and healing and equality are not things that God holds back in exchange for better behavior or for right belief. Jesus says to, 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 um, to Judas, leave Mary alone. Now, we know that Jesus loves the poor. Like, all of the Scripture texts that we've heard up to this point has been about God's concern for the poor. But Mary doesn't even need to exchange caring for the poor 
for Jesus' love. She doesn't need to exchange the appearance of doing something for the poor in order for Jesus to accept her. In fact, Jesus says that she, in this act, is revealing something of greater value. She's revealing something that has a greater cost. Mary's act is a, is a foreshadowing of Jesus' death. He said, she saved this for the time of my burial, a death that will come at the hands of an economic system of power and wealth that is threatened by Jesus' message of inclusive love and justice. This is why Jesus is killed. The religious leaders have already said out loud in John chapter 11, just before this, isn't it better for us that one man die than for the whole nation to perish? Isn't it better that one man die than the whole system collapse? Jesus' death reveals the value of his incredible gift of grace. What Mary offers is this metaphor that reveals the great value of this gift and the great cost. The great cost of, of being a part of a system that is okay with oppression and violence in the name of fiscal responsibility or national security. So Walter Brueggemann notes that Judas and the disciples are so fixated on the price. 300 denarii, a year's wage. We know how much that bottle of perfume costs. They are so fixated on the price that they miss the cost. They miss the value. The perfume costs 300 denarii, but they miss the value of Mary's gesture. They miss the value of what she is trying to express with this, and they miss the cost of Jesus' death. So, um, I'm guessing that, that we've all been paying attention to the price of things recently. Uh, how many of you have looked at your gas bill recently and, and wondered, what the heck, like, <laughs> what's going on? Or, or how many of you have gone to, like, Whole Foods and wondered, why are my favorite olives now, like, twice as much as they were, like, a year ago? It, obviously, like, inflation is a conversation that is being had everywhere here and, and around the world, and it has a real impact on lives, especially on the lives of, of the poor. And so it's not a bad thing to be thinking about the price of things, to know how much a bottle of perfume costs or to know how much an apple costs. But, but what often is missed when we fixate on the price is that we, we miss the connection to the cost. We miss our deeper connection to one another and to a wider world beyond ourselves. So the price of this apple is about $1.25, I'm guessing. If I'm wrong, I would be, I, I would be terrible at prices right, but let, let's, just, let's just say it's $1.25. It's an organic apple from Washington State, okay? So what is that we know the price, but what is the value? Like, what is the cost of me having this apple? So first of all, this apple exists because someone, somewhere, plant, well, in Washington State, planted a tree, an apple tree. And then there were a number of people who helped nurture that tree and prune that tree and water that tree. Perhaps they used fertilizer in the soil, which helped the tree to grow, but also might have other costs or impacts as it rains and the fertilizer runs off into other water sources. A person then 
picked this apple. Somebody washed it, perhaps. Someone designed the sticker on this apple. Someone designed a system that includes a barcode to keep track of this apple. This is organic, so they probably didn't use pesticides, but, but in a lot of agricultural communities, um, pesticides have a huge cost on pollinators like bees, which we need to be able to have stuff like this, and also on children and adults who live in those communities. Um, what else? This apple was probably transported from the field by a truck, and then it was probably transported by a train down here to California. Then it was probably transported again by truck to the local grocery store. And then it was transported from the store to my house in my car, and then from my house to the church today in my car, all of which have like a wider impact on the climate and environment that we are a part of. Now, we also know that the labor involved in, in, um, in the United States, in the, in the agricultural industry, includes 80% of agricultural workers who are foreign-born immigrants. 80% of people working in the agricultural industry are foreign-born immigrants, and almost half of those are undocumented workers. That's a lot of people. So there's a good chance that this apple passed through the hands of a number of undocumented workers, certainly migrant workers, workers who may or may not be separated from their families for a short period of time or a really long period of time. Workers who each day might live with the anxiety of ICE arriving or being pulled over uh, as they're driving home from work or being deported or being separated from their family or other people in their community who are potentially deported or incarcerated. These are workers who maybe are worried about the future of their children, like many of us. So their work, their presence, and their struggle is partially responsible for the price of this apple being $1.25, right? Like that's, I mean, I'm sure you can think of a whole lot more, but that there's a whole lot more to this apple than $1.25. We know the price, but do we know the cost? We know the price, but do we, do we see the value of these people and of our environment and of God's presence sort of throughout the world in the things that we eat? Do we see our connection to one another, to our environment, and to God in all of this? Now, having said all of that, this is really important. So if you, if you tuned out as I started talking about issues of justice or whatever this is, uh, you can tune back in because uh, this is, I think this is important at least. Guilt about any of this is not the valuable thing that we get to exchange for God's love. Like guilt about any of this is, isn't really going to do a whole lot to change the world. And it's certainly not going to do a whole lot to win God's favor because we don't need to do anything to win God's favor. And Jesus' message to Mary and to all of us is very personal. God loves you, and that doesn't require an exchange of anything. Just like the price, if we fixate on our guilt or how bad we feel about all of the problems that are happening in the world, this causes us to miss the larger story. This causes us to, to miss our connection to one another and what God is doing all around us. But 
if we realize that we are loved without exchange, if we belong without performance, we are free to see that we are a part of something that is larger than ourselves. We are free to see that we need one another, that we're connected to one another, not just here, but to people all around the world in the simple act of eating an apple. We are free and we are energized to wonder how we might, might participate in God's movement around us, how we might participate in God's movement of liberation and justice in the world, and not just for ourselves, but for everyone who is connected to us. We are free when we are released from this economic system of exchange to be a part of what God is doing, and we are free to participate in this world that is so much bigger than ourselves, aware that it's not just about us, but that we're connected to one another in meaningful ways through every little act. And so, as we take time uh, for prayer and reflection, and then communion, the same invitation is there. We will have bread and we will have juice. Where did that bread and that juice come from? How in the eating of communion and sharing of communion are we connected to God, but how are we also connected to one another? Not just here, but to, to people all over the world who are involved in bringing us that bread and that juice. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your incredible love. We pray that you'd open up our eyes to see a larger world beyond us, to see our connection to one another, to you and to our environment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.